Muffin Films and Salad Fingers, Homestar Runner and Mondo Media, Adam Films and Metalocalypse, Happy Tree Friends and What the Hell is Flash Animation Anyway? Warning, not affiliated with Adobe. Welcome to Plug In Missing, the Flash Animation Flashback Podcast, where we watch the Flash Animations, Webtoons, and Shorts we grew up watching in the halcyon days of yore, the early 2000s. I'm Paul Reberg, and with me is my co-host, John Ward. Excellent. We are smack dab in the middle of our fourth season, focused on the show Zombie. John, what are we looking at today? Today we're watching the fourth and fifth episodes of the Zombie series, Relics and Reptiles, and The Exhibit. Awesome. Well, let me give you a quick summary of what happens in each of these chapters. In Relics and Reptiles, we see Dirge and Zoe back out in the wastes, and they make their way to a city, and then they sort of break into a museum, which is great. There's a bit Mm -hmm. of a fight scene. We'll talk about that later. And they're introduced to um, a, a new character. And then in episode five of the exhibit, we get to know this new character a little bit more, and Dirge and Zoe go off continuing their quest to get to the Acropolis, the human settlement. Yep. Uh, So episode four starts with (laughs) a close-up shot of Destiny Medical embalming fluid in the neck. Paul, um, so like, I like this, but my first question is, as someone who grew up across the street from a uh, funeral home, and (laughs) Mm -hmm. my first question is like, why would, is like embalming fluid a medical thing? Well, what I think is happening is that Dirge is keeping himself from um, degrading any further using yeah, embalming yeah. fluid, but I think it's also like what he eats. But what I mean is the branding. Would you ever consider like mm. embalming fluid a medical supply? I've never really thought about this before, but it, it does make sense. Like it's not something you put in a living human body. Does that still mean it's medicinal? I wouldn't call it a medical supply, but it could definitely be something that a company called Destiny Medical Supply would create. I could see them mm. trying to get into that market. Gotcha. Yeah. I do like uh, Destiny Medical is a good name for like a fake, possibly nefarious, like, you know, like it makes me think like Umbrella Corporation or like other good sort of like pseudo evil, like, well, not pseudo evil, evil like medical companies or something like that. Definitely Destiny Medical could be one of them. I don't know if it's going to come back. It could be a one-off thing. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say Destiny Medical is to blame for the entire zombie apocalypse. (laughs) There is a conservation of information that we have in these five, like, sometimes less than five minute episodes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like any information is important. And that's sort of what's making this fun uh, for me is that I get to be hyper observant about like specific things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Dirge then gets the cool line. No, nothing hurts when you're dead, Uh, which is (laughs) I feel like we're learning that Dirge is a bit of like a mopey Clarence. So like a mopey strong nerd. He definitely uh, is. We we also hear the follow up that at least not physically they can't feel pain physically. So he's like yes, an emotional mopey nerd. Yes, which is it's great. So good. Dirge is very emo. He's like passive, <laughs> passive aggressive emo. Like like passively emo because there's a lot of like sort of like non Like he's not like confronting people with it. It's just sort of like in the background his flavor text. Whenever he when he whenever he does like observe something or you know responds to something it's there's always a bit of emo on top of that well he might just be a little bit a little bit sad about being a zombie exactly so they're being observed by a robot which we've never seen before right not not of this caliber not like futuristic space robot sort of thing 
Yeah, it's the first time we see it. And then basically we just have uh, Zoe, Dirge, and Cerberus walking through a city, and then they see a light on at a museum. But the entire walk sequence feels very Scooby-Doo to me. I think it's just because of the, like, Hanna-Barbera has that sort of, like, looping walk animation. But there's mm-hmm. something about Dirge's, like, big big feet that make me feel like and then the and then Cerberus falling right behind it feels very sort of scooby and shaggy a little bit and it gives it a little nice flavor for this mopey nerd zombie (laughs) to be sort of goofy a little bit and his mopey nerd dog too yep no I think I think Dirge is pretty pretty all right I mean not Dirge Cerberus is pretty all right I don't think he's very mopey I think he's I think he's accepted his zombiness well we'll we'll find out a little bit more about that later I'm sure yeah but we see them walk into the city, and then they approach a museum, which apparently has the lights on. So yep. that's not subtle, museum guys, but great. <laughs> so they get ready to go into the museum, and there's two things we see in this kind of shot. First, over Dirge's shoulder, we see that same drone and some really beefcake-looking guys yeah. in the distance. And robot sounds. And robot sounds, yeah. But this was also when I realized that Dirge talks the same way a cow chews. The way his oh, jaw moves yes. is the insane. Cut. Like his, yeah. his jaw sort of moves back and forth a little like bit. Side to side movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever way you can get the sounds out really is the important. Yeah, I guess that's part. true. If you're talking and you're dead, good on you no matter what. Yeah. I mean he's got no lips, Paul. What are you what are you gonna do? <laughs> that's fair. Cool. He's probably gotta use his upper palate a lot more. It could be what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, so they, they walk into the museum, and they're looking around a little bit, and this is actually when we learn that Cerberus is a zombie dog. I was wrong in the last episode. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to put that in my notes. Yes, you are wrong. He is a zombie dog. Uh, yep. And yep. We, we learn that because Zoe asks, are there more than, are there any zombies in here? And uh, Dirge says, just the two. Yeah, unless, so unless of course, he's like hyper observant about uh, the possibility of there being another zombie in here. It, it could be. I don't know. I mean, we learn in a, in a minute that the Velociraptor is also a zombie. So yes. So yeah. he was at, he was already wrong. There is actually three in that room. So that's true. Okay. Well, we have an excellent fight scene. Then John, take us through it. So basically, it, there's like a, a ton of things. Like, I think I feel like I feel like uh, James Farr was looking to take us through sort of the Raptor move set. Like like basically, this is now a character that entered, and we get to see him do all the cool raptor shit that you've always wanted to see him do in like a fight mm, scene or something. Yep, yep. So like, there's a lot of like clawing. There's some like grappling with flipping involved, and uh, there's some like, uh, and then of course Dirge gets some good hits in too. Punches the raptor in the face first, I believe, is how it starts. Yeah, he gets first punch. Yeah, and then uh, Dirge kind of kicks this raptor's ass pretty quickly. Like it, it, it this is not the. Uh, the gondola strongman scene. The, the the raptor seems tough, but he doesn't seem uh like unbeatable in the same way. But there's some good stuff. They're like leaping past one another, and Dirge grabs the raptor's tail only to like fling him onto the ground, which was really good. There's some good reactions to that. Um, the raptor then takes Zoe's face in its uh palm, I guess would be <laughs> in its claws, mm-hmm. uh, and that's when Dirge uses his chain bandolier to rope the raptor uh and then throw it directly into a t-rex skeleton which impales it on one of the ribs making it immobile but not dead well i mean yeah dead deader the only thing that you're missing in the fight is that um cerberus gets tagged in and completely destroyed he gets shredded oh yeah yeah he does get shredded and his face gets ripped off (laughs) 
which we'll we'll see a little more about later. Yeah. But my my first thought when the raptor was skewered on the T Rex rib was that lady who we saw before is going to be pissed. Yeah. But she doesn't seem very pissed because she approaches them and we get a lot of close up shots of her body, which is basically a sexy mummy Halloween costume motif. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. My first thought was that, well, this is like a zombie Cleopatra. It turns yeah. me sort, sort of close. We'll get to that or next Or Nefertiti. Did you say Necrotiti? What? Necrotiti? Did oh, you say that man. or is that me? We, 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 need to, we need to get like some mail into a time machine and send it back to James. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the woman that we saw with the scythe and obviously the raptor earlier uh, last episode. And she approaches sort of apologizing for the raptor attack, saying that, you know, she can't, you know, there's no changing like it's thousands of years of evolution or whatever. Right. There's no it's basically her security system. There's no way to turn it off. Other than, I guess, impaling it onto a T-Rex rib. Yeah, and we also learned that this has been her security system for 20 years. So we know yeah. that the apocalypse has been going on for a while. Yeah, at least. At least 20 years, yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty much the end of episode, what was it, chapter 4? Yeah. Yeah. What What moral do you think we can take away from this chapter, John? Keep your face away from raptors. It's good moral, specific, but good. Mine was going to be, you can take the raptor out of the Cretaceous period, but you can't take the Cretaceous period out of the raptor. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. That's All right, well, so stupid, <laughs> but very good. Before we jump to uh, chapter five, one thing I wanted to flag is that we didn't see another one of these underwater flashbacks at the start of the episode, and I thought we no. would. But we get a super one the next episode, so. That's true. Let's jump right to it. Chapter right. five, we open up with the line, your lizard broke my dog, <laughs> yeah, which is very good. Um, and uh, so basically they have a short talk about like, you know, she's like, yeah, sorry, it's my security, you know, come on back. We'll we'll have a chat and maybe fix up your dog, I think was maybe hinted in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they all decide to follow uh, this this new woman back into the museum. And as they do so, they are walking through this hallway just filled with pre- uh, preserved, like, animals. I assume dead or zombified. They're definitely zombified because they're yeah. moving and they're jiggling and it's creepy. Well, I want to talk about that a- after we sort of get through this scene a little bit. So we have, mm-hmm. um, we Zoe looks into the eye of the dead squid. And uh, by the way, like, these two episodes have a lot of good like camera work like uh, the last episode the entire fight scene was very cinematic like like i i am blown away that you know you know that that's available in a flash cartoon from the early 2000s if that makes sense mm-hmm. and uh now we're getting a lot of sort of like dutch angles and stuff inside of this hallway with zoe looking in the eye of a dead squid in one of the preservation jars and she gets this flashback where she sort of like in the background she there's a helicopter above a dinghy and in the background there's like a burning building or like several burning buildings maybe like a compound of buildings or something and mm-hmm. um this helicopter is hovering over the dinghy and then we see that zoe is in the dinghy looking up at the helicopter and uh a ladder you know a rope ladder is dropped down from the the helicopter and a woman calls out, although we can't tell what she's saying. And that's when a giant eye appears in the water below Zoe's dinghy. And tentacles shoot out is what how I read that, right? 
Yeah, that's that was my interpretation. I mean, what what do you think this monster is, John? Th- this is when after after she gets this flashback, all of the animals in the jars start squirming around and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they weren't squirming around while they were walking through it before. I kind of wonder if Zoe doesn't have some sort of weird like zombie control powers or something. Yeah. It's possible that she could, but one of them does make a squeaking noise before the flashback. That's true. There was a squeaking noise before the flashback. I'm not saying that I'm a hundred that that there's a hundred percent support for this. It just I I don't know what was a conservation of like you know scope, you know in terms of like you know we've got a lot of stuff to animate and you know animating all these jars just doesn't make that much sense. Or if it's like a reaction to her flashback is basically it. And it's an interesting theory. I think we should definitely keep an eye on that moving forward. That'd be a fun twist. Yeah, yeah. So I think it might have been a giant squid or something. I'm not sure why, because I don't I don't think this place is like one to one Earth. Uh, I mean, we don't have any zombies yet that I know of, but I also don't think that giant squids just randomly attack stuff. So I'm wondering if maybe that the other thing that I thought was maybe that base that that on fire building in the background that does not look like a home or a city it looks like a build like you know like a big building mm-hmm. i don't know like it could be zoe could be directly connected to people who caused some sort of disaster or something like that i don't know it could be i think it's Plus, helicopters are not a common thing right like that's a pretty like governmental or business type purchase well it's true but it's hard to say what flies in post-apocalyptic that's true and Zoe is not 20 years old, so if this has been going on for at least 20 years, you know, we don't know what, like, I don't think it's necessarily the cause of the zombification stuff. Maybe it is. Maybe there's, like, you know, 20 years later, there's an accident at the facility that caused this or something, but I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to keep watching to figure out. But we, yep. we getting back to the actual uh, text of the clip, we see some sick burns, actually, <laughs> that yes. the mummy lady, uh, what, what does her name turn out to be? Uh, her name ends up being Neftis. Neftis, okay. Zoe basically starts out by asking Dirge why he's so ugly and the mummy woman is so pretty. <laughs> and she responds that, you know, men always let themselves go, so. Yeah, and, and like, Dirge's, uh, like, I feel like Dirge should have been like, I woke up like this, like, stop, why, <laughs> like, why, why are you hating on me? Although it does make mm-hmm. me wonder what Dirge would have, like, I hadn't really thought about this too much, but. What did Dirge look like when he was alive? Do you think he looked like like a muscle nerd, or do you think the muscles are like more of a more recent thing? I mean, like his personalities, well, his memories are wiped before. Uh, we learn later that you know aberrations, which that she keeps calling them, Dirge at least. Uh, no memories reach the afterlife, so to speak. So right. So uh, Dirge grabs a stapler and uh, has Zoe staple on Cerberus's face, which I just want to talk about for a second. Because yeah. I am, I am a, uh, I'm a professional art teacher. Uh, <laughs> I trust mm-hmm. kids to make a lot of things. Now I, I teach high school for the most part, but if I wanted a dog's face to be stapled back on in any way other than the result that we get at the end of this, I would probably do it myself. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like you can trust one kid to do a thing pretty well. Yeah. A group of kids like no way i would never trust a group of children to do this but one kid maybe i mean make an earnest she effort. does staple his face back on it's just that 
Um, it's very much in the, in, in, so I see this a lot. It's very much in the more is better sort of strategy of, uh, doing yeah. anything that involves like making something where the services face is now like 30% aluminum stable. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise she did a pretty good job. Oh yeah. 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 It it sticks. It, most of them stick. One, one of them mm. falls out at the end. Yeah. We do learn the cause of the zombification in this episode uh, not to get into too much detail of it but it's a, a more or less standard explanation for it there's a germ that does it instead of a virus it's called necrosis okay sure doing a little mm-hmm. um pipe laying background building for yep. the world we're in but we also learn her theory at least as to why these aberrations exist Do you want to take us through that yeah so it's basically that if the if the germ took over the brain before it lost uh, consciousness, before it lost total consciousness, it might be what caused the aberrations, and that uh, someone might have, in fact, made the aberrations. Uh, this leaving uh, Neftis to believe that aberrations are a status, like, as a gift, not a curse, whereas Dirge does not agree because he's the mopey boy. Dirge is very much like, well, lucky them, they don't get a second chance. You know, whereas Dirge seems to not like being a a conscious zombie. Well, it's got to be different for Neftis. She's been dead for, what, uh, 600, 1,000 years? I don't yeah. know where she is in the timeline exactly. Plus, we but... find out that she most likely died uh, buried alive inside of a tomb uh, as a servant or a wife or something like that. Uh, so, so we can imagine, uh, servant, slave, or wife, so we can imagine that, that she has probably not had the most lovely life, uh, and it was cut short... <laughs> By being buried alive, so so I feel like Dirge uh, might not have uh, Dirge probably thinks he's like a relatively modern human, uh, maybe. Uh, so maybe he thinks he had a normal life before this, uh, and didn't die <laughs> buried alive in a tomb. <laughs> All right, so then they discuss Dirge's plans for Zoe, uh, specifically taking her to the human settlement of Acropolis. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good name old, for a settlement. It is, it is. Especially with all of the other, like, you know, Greco-Roman, uh, you know, motifs that have been going around. Uh, yeah. So, it's the only settlement in the region. It's very protected. It's through, like, a tunnel. There's tower guards, robotic defense systems. It's very dangerous. Um, <laughs> this is when we finally see Cerberus's face. <laughs> it's not a great reveal. No, it's very, his eyes are bugging out. He looks happy with it, I think. Uh, uh, and so th- that's when uh, Dirge and Zoe, you know, it's time for us to go. Uh, Zoe takes a look at her, you know, one last time. She seems to be enthralled by uh, Neftis. Uh, and finally, that's when Neftis says, not all monsters in the world are of the undead variety. So we're getting a little bit of foreshadowing on robot just, stuff. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they leave uh, to keep moving to the Acropolis, but they get attacked in the lobby by three giant robot dudes that have them with like laser, laser sights on them. Which is a pretty cool ending shot, really. Yep. We know what's going to happen in the beginning of the next episode, so. Yep. All right, so what are our morals, Paul? Uh, my personal moral mm-hmm. uh, is uh, that I got out of this is, you know, take care of yourself. Like, uh, you don't want to be a dirge. You don't want to be a dirge about it. Like, you, no matter how you're feeling, just take some me time. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wash your face a little bit. Not too hard. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the gentle dirge ended like... up with the no lips situation. 
Well, that's good. That's a very, uh, I was going to say a very moral moral. That's a very positive moral. Yeah. Mine is a little less positive, but <laughs> it's that it's okay to staple your dog as long as it's dead. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't think that's less positive. I think it's more neutral. I mean, like... John, are you saying dead dogs are neutral? Yeah. I mean, like, okay, I, I'm assuming this dog died of a very natural life. And, and like, you know, at, after being pampered as one of the six dogs that were rent in tin or something like that. And now he's, you know, found a new life and a new owner who loves and takes care of him. That's my story for a service. <laughs> and we'll stick to it. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Plug and Missing. <laughs> if you liked what you heard, tell a friend, leave a review on iTunes, uh, spread it around. We're still relatively early in our podcast career so word of mouth is important if you want to talk about flash animation with us contact us on the various social media platforms at plug and missing or email us at plug and missing pod at gmail.com you can also go to plug and for more info on the podcast upcoming clips that kind of thing as always this episode was co-hosted by john ward and paul reberg produced by john ward with music by me paul reberg come back next week where we're gonna ask you would you like to update flash i already did john we're glad you could join us for just a little bit discussing Flash animation and what the hell it is until next week. We hope you're well. Please give us five stars on iTunes. <laughs>